Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Hey, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. WSBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. How we doing today? We keep rolling along. We're a week into April now. Major League Baseball is here, even if it's still a little bit chilly outside. But that's the way it usually goes. You know, it's early April. The Masters is underway. Tiger Woods is back. He shot a one under 71 Today in his first competitive round in 509 days. Three shots uh, behind clubhouse leader Cameron Smith after he finished his round. Tiger Woods today. So a lot of good stuff going on. I just had kind of a computer issue right before the show started. So you may have to bear with me a little bit here. In the early going today, we will see what happens. We've got a lot of football to talk about. You're going to hear from Brady Quinn in a few minutes, he had some things to say about Notre Dame playing Tennessee State in uh, two years, 2023. You'll hear that. Hear from Marcus Freeman in a second as well. Maya Dodson from the Notre Dame women's basketball team, the uh, biggest breaking news this afternoon. She had applied for a sixth year of eligibility going back to her Stanford days when she had uh, some injuries there And then last week we found out she had registered for the WNBA draft. The NCAA had not made a decision. And then uh, she announced today that she is uh, one and done at Notre Dame. She is moving on. So uh, she's going to be gearing up for the WNBA draft, which is five days away. So uh, good luck to Maya Dodson. As for the Notre Dame women, they will have four starters back from this year's team. Dodson one of the five starters, and she averaged over 12.5 points, uh, over seven rebounds, and was eighth in the nation block shots this year. But they will have the other four starters back from this year's team. But they will also have only one other scholarship player returning, Nat Marshall, who was injured for about half of this season after having uh, meniscus surgery. And then they'll have an incoming freshman next year, K.K. Bransford, really good one two-time Ms. Ohio basketball. But the roster, pretty thin right now. So as of right now, six scholarship players returning or six scholarship players that will be on the roster next year. So uh, transfer portal, portal, grad transfer portal, whatever, they uh, are going to have to go out and address that, just like Mike Bray's men. Both teams uh, have some work to do to get their rosters built for next year with Maya Dodson announcing today that she will not be back next year. Spring football practice at Notre Dame, roughly two-thirds of the way done right now. Today was practice number 10 of 14 
practices, and that doesn't include the Blue Gold game, which we'll bring you here on Sports Radio 960 AM. April 23rd, Blue Gold game. We'll have that for you live, of course, from Notre Dame Stadium. But uh, I've got, again, some comments coming up from Brady Quinn here in a few minutes, but thought I'd let you hear some comments from Marcus Freeman since other than yesterday's comments about the Tennessee State stuff, haven't really heard that much from Marcus Freeman Excuse me, this week. But uh, here he is, some uh, some things that he is pleased with with his team this spring. I'm really pleased with our coaches, you know, in that I mean, we have some really, really good coaches at every single position. And um, we challenged them to start the scrimmage today with a, a short yardage um, scrimmage. And it was great to see man, a good battle between O line and D line. And, and, physicality and being able to run the ball and stopping the run is something that I believe we're going to have to be able to do. Um, you know, and I think the ability for these position coaches to um, get with the coordinators and understand the new schemes on offense and defense, and it's been really, really good to see them. And I'm really happy with the progression this team is making. You know, and that's, that, that's a big thing when you are a first-time head coach. That's one thing. And you're not used to directing the coaches. And then you bring in seven new coaches as well. How are they going to gel as a staff? How are they going to gel with the players? And so pretty important. Things like sounds like things are going pretty well along those lines so far this spring. Now, another thing, you know, something that, that Marcus Freeman has talked about is is challenge everything and and you know part of that is you know the the challenges that you have on a daily basis when you're out there competing for jobs as a player and there has been a lot of competition you know, the quarterback being the most high profile one but competition at different spots so how has that competition gone for Marcus Freeman's team it's the only way to get better you know and if there isn't competition we got to create competition you know we have to find ways to push these kids and and um, because that's the, they're all competitors, so if they're not competing, they're really not going to push themselves to the ultimate limit. And so I want to see that, man. I want to see offense, defense within your own position pushing each other. Um, but then the ability to get everybody to do this, right, and become a team. And we have to be a team. Um, we got to compete offense and defense. We got to compete within our position, but we got to be a team. And so um, I've been happy with it. I've been happy with the competition. I've been happy with. Um, us continue to progress as a team, um, but uh, we still have a ways to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, it sounds like things are, are you know looking and, and sounding like things are going the way they would like. And finally, one final thought. Again, it's it's one thing when you're held accountable by your coaches, but it's another thing when you have uh, buy-in and accountability from the players as well. I think it means more when it comes from the players, right? And when coaches hold you accountable, it's all right, this coach is what he's supposed to do. When players start holding each other accountable, if you respect each other, that's to me what great things happen. Um, but it starts with respect. you got to be able to respect the guy that is holding you accountable because when you don't, all of a sudden it turns like I'm being attacked. And so um, it starts with let's – let's. the same thing I think is from coach to player. It starts with trust. Right and build that trust because you can push people as far as they trust you. And the minute you don't trust somebody, you just feel like you're being attacked. And so I like to focus on making sure we are building the trust and then holding each other accountable. But when players hold each other accountable, that's that's a great sign. There you go, some Marcus Freeman. As spring practice continues, we'll get a chance to talk to him and 
both uh, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese and defensive coordinator Al Golden this weekend after practice as well. So talked the last couple of days about Notre Dame and Tennessee State. This game that they announced they're going to play next year. It'll be the first time Notre Dame has ever played in FCS school, which, of course, we have talked about. Now I realize you want to get picky and go back 100 years and say, well, they played Detroit Mercy, they played Wabash, and that, okay, all right, fine, you're you're correct, Mr. Literal, but it's also why I've said before that comparing Newt Rockney's record to Brian Kelly's record is a little bit apples to oranges because it is two different eras of football. But I digress. The here and now. Brady Quinn, probably Notre Dame's most high-profile former player working in the media right now, does TV for Fox, also co-hosts radio show to Joe's and a cup of Joe on Fox Sports Radio every day. So Brady Quinn has some thoughts on Notre Dame playing Tennessee State. So uh, grab your cup of Joe and sit back and listen because he's got some things to say about it. You know, some people might think I would tread lightly about this topic because it's my alma mater, but I'm just going to be real. I absolutely hate this. And look, there's probably some some woke idiots out there who, oh, it's but it's an HBCU. It has nothing to do with that. This is the first time in the history of the Notre Dame football program they've played a non-FBS opponent. That's what I'm ticked off about. I hate this. If you're going to remain independent, which I don't even know if you can say that anymore since they have a soft affiliation with the ACC, and unfortunately since they've made that agreement outside of Clemson, you're not really circling many teams consistently on that calendar saying, well, here's a tough matchup. I mean, last year you could have said Wake Forest. I don't know that we're going to be saying that, you know, for years to come. Maybe maybe Dave Colossus has got him turned around. North Carolina was great two years ago, not, not as good last year. So – They've already, at least from when I was a recruit, when I was a player there, watered down this schedule. And now, and I believe this is the case, Notre Dame next to, I think it was UCLA, was the, were the only two teams to have never played a non-FBS opponent. And so this will be now one less thing that we can tout, one other way of watering down the schedule. And when we're an independent where you don't have that 13th data point of a conference championship game, you need as tough of a strength of schedule as you can get. And I don't think that scheduling a non-FBS opponent as your season opener and then coupling it and saying, well, we're just doing what the SEC does because, you know, they'll schedule a big dog, one one tough non-conference opponent, and then they've got layups. Well, that's not how it works. They also have a conference championship game. Alabama can do that. Georgia can do that. (laughs) They can get away with it. LSU can do that. They can get away with it. You can't sit there and schedule this and go, well, it's it's historic for this. I get all that. I don't care about that. This this isn't about, you know, equity and all that stuff or trying to say, hey, we're helping out at HBCU school. It's not about that. It's about trying to win a national championship. It's about competition and looking at the rest of the landscape. What made Notre Dame unique in being independent was the fact that when you were a recruit, you would sit there and go, dude, I'm going to be on national television every week because we're playing such a hard schedule. You know, I remember playing the Big Ten schools. I remember playing Pac-12, ACC, SEC opponents. 
And people always, well, you guys play Navy every year. Yeah, okay, idiot. Here's why Notre Dame plays <laughs> Navy every year. Back during WW2, they used Notre Dame's facilities, which almost went under, as training facilities, and it helped keep Notre Dame alive, the university at that point, financially. And so they've had that agreement ever since. And by the way, go play any triple option school mixed in with your schedule. See, see how much you like doing that during the course of the year. That gives head coaches headaches every single time. So I, I just I, I hate this move. And, and really, it's only good for Tennessee State. Like, they're the only winners in all of this. What are they making off this? I, probably a million. Who knows? Or, or maybe half a million. But, but, but again, like, they get paid off of it. And it's like, let's just say, for example, let's just say, for example, it's the opening game of a season. There's a gigantic talent gap. What's the upside for Notre Dame? If you don't beat them by 50, it looks like all of a sudden, like, you, maybe they're not that good. You're going to drop in rankings. You're we know how rankings, yeah. Yeah, we know how that can impact. I, I remember my senior year, we went on the road to play Georgia Tech back when they had Calvin Johnson and a few other really good players on defense. Phillip Wheeler was a good linebacker there. I remember, oh, yeah, and, the, and that idiot, or not idiot, but the guy who's now uh, in WWE, whatever his name is, Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah, he's, he's the world champ, man, double champ, too. He put some well, respect I, I don't, on his I name. don't know. I, I wasn't watching WrestleMania. Okay. The, the point is, is we went down on the road, got a close win, you know, tough environment, good football team. We dropped in the rankings. I was like, all right. And, and lo and behold, they, you know, Georgia Tech ends up playing in the ACC championship game that year, and they ended up being pretty good. I, I just, I think this is, this is a no-win scenario for Notre Dame, no matter what way you go about it. It does not help them. It does not help elevate their program. You're not winning a recruit for this. You're not winning in the eyes of the college football playoff committee or the AP poll or whatever else you want to talk about in recruiting. You know, you're not going to – one, I mean, you're not even competing against Tennessee State for, for a recruit. And then even more so than that, it's just you don't win over a guy saying, well, yeah, you get to come out and play a layup like this to open a season. It's just a dramatic departure from what it used to be, and it, it crushes me to see it because I feel like, you know, Notre Dame in this instance, when it's always kind of been something of its own, is now, you know, really try, trying to almost, you know, blend in with everyone else. And that hasn't been their M.O. Brady Quinn on his radio show, Two Joes and a Cup of Joe. And uh, first, I, I, I found out that I was today years old when I found out Roman Reigns played football for Georgia Tech. I had no idea. Thank you very much, Brady Quinn. Everything else, though, everything he said, everything he said, with the exception of one thing. Tennessee State is not the season opener. It's the home opener. They go to Navy. August 26th, and then Tennessee State, the home opener the next weekend, uh, September 2nd. But everything else, I've been saying this the last couple of days, you can talk about all the perceived benefits of the scheduling this game and just what he said. You're helping out, you know, an HBCU school and, and all that is the biggest beneficiary out of all of this. Notre Dame playing Tennessee State is Tennessee State. Financially, they're going to get the big payout. It's guaranteed money. We don't know exactly what that is, but Jack Swarbrick said yesterday they negotiated for more money uh, than Notre Dame originally wanted to pay them. So they're making pretty hefty. I would have to guess it is between a half a million and a million bucks somewhere in there. Brady Quinn said a million. Maybe if it's even north of that, who knows? But I think the starting point is probably probably a half a million. 
exposure. When does Notre Dame get, or when does Tennessee State rather get the chance to be on national TV if it is, in fact, on actual NBC? Or does it go to the Peacock once again, just like the Toledo game last year? The only question Notre Dame has every year when they're putting together a schedule, does it help achieve the goal of winning a national championship? That's what it's all about. And all the alumni, everyone around this program, fans have made that abundantly clear year after year. Your only goal is win a national championship with the exception of 2020, the one-off year when they were in the ACC, and then their goal was win the ACC. They did that during the regular season. They went to the college football playoff. Playing an FCS school, especially when you're the, the only major independent, the only real player in terms of championships in college football, but you're an independent, this does not help achieve the goal of, of playing for or winning a national championship. So I agree with everything that Brady Quinn was saying. Now, uh, real quick, uh, as quick as I, I can anyway, Brady also addressed the TV side of this. You know, you've got a rights deal that's coming up too for, um, for Notre Dame's home games. Right, the NBC NBC deal is coming up in 2024, somewhere around that ballpark. All right, well, if you want to get those home games up to par, up to value with what other teams are getting, being a part of a conference, you got to start scheduling tougher, bigger brands. You can't sit there and say, "Well, we're going to play Tennessee State." What's any network, whether it's NBC or anyone else? What are they sitting there and saying? They're going, "Okay, well, we're going to pay for that." That's not going to rate as high. Like, yeah, you'll get a Notre Dame audience, but no offense to Tennessee State. They're not bringing in a huge audience. Not, you tell me this. What do you think that Notre Dame-Ohio State game, what number is that going to do? Oh, God. It's a the, pretty big number. The, the it's going to be a huge number. Huge. It, it might be the second, third most watched game this entire college football season. It's because you've got the Ohio State brand and the Notre Dame brand clashing together. And there will be people who are just interested in general. Like, one of the biggest markets to watch Ohio State games, Birmingham, Alabama. Because Alabama wants to see what's happening at Ohio State. <laughs> well, well, and, and no different, by the way, no different, by the way, than what were some of the biggest numbers for uh, the Big Ten Championship game this, this past year? Columbus, Ohio. Because, they, you know, as much as they hate it, they want to watch Michigan go win a Big Ten Championship, they're still going to watch. And there's still some Michigan fans in that proximity. So you, you get that sort of thing. You're not going to get that with Tennessee State. And so th that's, that's the other issue is even from a business standpoint, this doesn't help you say, hey, you know, we're going to talk to a, a network about buying our home games or bidding our home games, and they're paying X amount per, per game. They're going to say, well, yeah, yeah, you've got Ohio State, you've got a few other really good home games, but what do we do with the Tennessee State games? What do we do with the, the, the MAC games that you've put on your schedule? That's not worth this much. So I, I think it even hurts them from a financial standpoint. Can't put them all on Peacock. You know, and they've got Tennessee State and Central Michigan the next week after that. And, you know, the, the NBC contract runs through the 2025 season, four more seasons. Big Ten's negotiating with the TV networks, including NBC. Their contract runs through 2023. So the Big Ten is going to get its con – theoretically, anyway, unless Notre Dame rushes to renegotiate this, which you wouldn't think will happen since they've got four more years on it, but – Big Ten's going to get its deal done sooner than everybody else. So the Big Ten is sitting in really good shape. They're, they're going to get a new contract before anyone, and they're, they're trying to figure out where their games are going to be. Are they going to stay on Fox? Are they going to go to NBC, CBS? What's going to happen with them? And, you know, you've got 
Declining TV ratings doesn't help Notre Dame's case when it has an entity like the Big Ten that NBC's interested in uh, adding to its Saturday schedule. And Tennessee State, Marshall, UNLV, Central Michigan over the next couple of years, you basically got three marquee games in the next two seasons, Clemson, Ohio State, and USC. You know, they put the Toledo game, Max School, on uh, on the Peacock. Is that where Tennessee State is going to end up as well? We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Christian McCollum from irishsportsdaily.com is going to join me for some Notre Dame football recruiting talk. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser. King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Tim Grau State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. Let's take a time out, and when we come back, Christian McCollum's going to talk a little Notre Dame football recruiting. That's coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT, and joined right now, like we are every Thursday by Christian McCollum from irishsportsdaily.com. How are you today, Christian? Doing great, Sean. Doing doing good. Good to talk to you, as always. I wanted to to kind of get your take on um, on the, the Notre Dame-Tennessee State thing from a recruiting aspect. I was just playing some of uh, Brady Quinn's comments about it, and he He's against it. One of the things that he said, though, is he doesn't think that there is any recruiting benefit that can come from this. Notre Dame scheduling Tennessee State and HBCU school. So I'm curious, as a guy who covers Notre Dame football recruiting pretty closely, what do you think? Does it do anything for Notre Dame's future recruiting efforts, do you think? Well, I don't think it hurts, right? I don't think anyone is going to say not come because they have that game on the schedule. I mean, you know, every school in America, Alabama, Clemson, all those schools, they're playing uh, FCS, D1AA schools all the time. You know, right. sometimes some of these schools play twice. Um, True. At Notre Dame, you know, it was always kind of a pretty cool feather for them to have in their cap that they had never played at FCS school. And not to say that they looked down on them, but it's just a thing of, you know, our schedule every year is, right. quote unquote, you know, stacked. And, and that was a cool thing to have. And you saw some of those schools fall by the wayside and, and the longer Notre Dame remained there, it seemed pretty cool. So um, from that standpoint, it's not great. But from the standpoint of playing at HBCU, um, I definitely think it cannot hurt. It won't hurt. I mean, obviously, uh, a large portion of the recruits that these uh, all these schools are going after are African American kids uh, from African American households. Um, I'm sure a lot of them have some sort of ties to HBCUs through their families, um, and you know, it's just one thing to kind of show it's it's a it's a show of respect, and I think that's the way a lot of families and co- high school coaches, I'm sure, um, recruits. Um, they're going to see that as a sign of respect. I mean, look at, I mean, 
HBCUs in basketball and football are landing um, top-level recruits. Um, so that just shows you that can be a factor. And, and just playing one and, and to kind of show that kind of respect, like I said, I know Notre Dame Hoops did it. Um, I don't think it will hurt. I don't think it's going to be some massive change. I think Marcus Freeman and the staff he put together is going to be a, a much bigger impact on recruiting than a single game. Right. Uh, but I don't think it will hurt by any means. Okay. All right. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, let's talk about some actual – Recruiting targets, and one of the top ones from the 2023 class is going to be announcing tomorrow Texas wide receiver Braylon James. He's someone that, that you've been pretty confident about for a while now. So on the eve of the announcement, are you still confident in Mr. James? Yeah, I think I told you it's tomorrow. I got my days mixed up. It's Saturday. Oh, okay. That's my bad. Okay, no uh, problem. But, yes, we have loved Notre Dame's spot even since before the visit. We've talked about it on here. Um, we have some pretty you know tight uh, relationships with guys down in Texas, and it was coming from all angles you know, over a month ago. Hey, Braylon James, he's serious about Notre Dame. That's a guy, everything we hear is he's serious about Notre Dame. So we loved his spot, come, Notre Dame's spot, before he visited last month. And then, you know, coming out of that visit, there's it was like we it was pretty clear Notre Dame was the team to beat, like by a wide margin. Um, and nothing has changed since then. If anything, it's even stronger, right? I'd actually been told right after the visit that he was thinking about trying to hold this announcement back until the summertime. Hmm. Um, I think he wanted to do it on his mom's birthday or something like that. But obviously, he's felt con he feels confident enough to do it now. Now, TCU and Stanford are in the mix. I think Texas has been trying to work in the try to get involved as well, but I'm not sure, you know, how if, if it's a little too late or, you know, Texas. I, I don't think, you know, um, you know, James has is, is, is been as interested in Texas as some people think. Um, and I, so I still feel really, really good about Notre Dame's chances. And if they're to add him, it's not just a get at a position of need, it's a great get at a position of need. He, he's yeah. a prospect with an extremely high ceiling that, you know, I'm sure the Notre Dame staff is going to be very excited about if they're able to land him. And it's a really, really good start. It'd be a really, really good start um, to recruiting that position, which obviously they really, really need. All right. Interesting. Very interesting. So another 2023 guy coming in. There's a lot of visitors actually coming into town this weekend. And uh, one of them is an Illinois offensive lineman, Charles. Is it Jagusa? Is that how you say his name? Uh, I say it however you say it. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll be along together on that. <laughs> where where do things stand with, with him coming into this weekend and this visit that he's making? Yeah. So he's one of Notre Dame's top targets at offensive line in the 23 class, if not the top target. He visited, uh, visited Notre Dame last fall, actually visited a bunch of schools last fall, and then took a long break through the winter to focus on high school wrestling, which, you know, he won a state championship, so it seems like, you know, time well served. And now he's headed back out on the road. He's got a stop at Notre Dame on Saturday and possibly a stop at Michigan on Sunday, but I'm not so sure that that Michigan stop is locked in yet. At least it hadn't been when I spoke to some people earlier in the week. Uh, but Notre Dame is definitely set, and they're in the mix here in a big way. Um, you know, Jagusa, first of all, Notre, he's a priority for Notre Dame. Uh, when Harry Heastan got rehired here at Notre Dame, um, that was pretty much his first stop on the recruiting trail up to Illinois to see him. And talking to people around Charles, it's really clear Notre Dame is a serious option for him, and he's going to be examining it really closely. Uh, like I said, he was on campus last fall, 
for the USC game. So the game day experience, that part of it's already, that box is already checked. Now it's about just experiencing the day in the life, so to speak, of being a Notre Dame football player and getting to see how he'd fit with the players and getting to see how he'd fit with the coaches in South Bend. Uh, I think the plan right now is to narrow the list here in the next few weeks, try to get it down to five by summer, bang out those official visits, and then uh, I'm told he wants to have a decision late summer, early fall. Um, in Notre Dame, like I said, they're going to be in this mix for a long time. Okay. All right. Interesting. Christian McCollum, irishsportsdaily.com, talking some Notre Dame football recruiting. So, again, he's one of – Several visitors coming in this weekend. So are there any other guys that we need to be kind of keeping an eye out for this weekend? Yeah, so elite 2024 California quarterback Julian Sayan is on campus today. I mean, he's a true top-of-the-board type recruit talking about – we'll be talking about him the way we're talking about Dante Moore a year from now. Um, this is his third visit to Notre Dame. And, you know, like I said, Notre Dame's going to be in the race here for a while. Some people think they're even leading. Hmm. Um, then you have 2022 running back Jabron – uh, Payne, he's not going to be on campus. Now, he signed his letter of intent with Indiana but got out of it, and he's visiting this weekend. Of course, the connection there is through new Notre Dame running back coach DeLon McCullough, who was the Indiana running back uh, coach when Payne signed. So there's definitely some familiarity and some interest there on both sides. Um, 2023 North Carolina offensive lineman Sam Pendleton, he's a guy we talked about last week. Things are moving quickly with him. He got offered a few weeks ago by Notre Dame, and he's already coming up. Uh, kid that I like, he, he he's really, really, you can tell he's taking this process seriously. Uh, some people told me he didn't know a bunch about Notre Dame right now, and then just talking to him, he seems like he knows a lot about Notre Dame. So <laughs> that's apparently a bunch isn't, yeah, it's not the same to him. Uh, 2023 tight end commit Cooper Flanagan's going to be in town. That's big because obviously major programs have been continuing to chase him. And then there's a couple interesting 2024 DB targets who both have Notre Dame offers. Jacob Odins from Michigan. He's already been to campus a couple times. And Kaj Sanders is a kid from Bergen Catholic, the same New Jersey power as current uh, freshmen, Steve Angeli and Jaden Bellamy. And I was at a Bergen Catholic game this uh, last fall. And, you know, everyone around the program just told me, oh, that, that, this Kaj kid, he's the kid to watch. He's the next one. And, you know, they blew out the team, so he got plenty of time. He was a young kid, and uh, I immediately saw what they were talking about, and clearly so did Notre Dame. All right, all right, good stuff. So a lot of visitors coming in this weekend. We'll, be, uh, we'll have some guys to talk about next week, I, I, I assume. But uh, they had some visitors last weekend as well. We saw some of the parents up there, and, and some, of the, some of the guys coming in, the uh, Irish Athletic Center, uh, as well on Saturday when, when they came in. But Anthony Specka, the Pittsburgh 2024 linebacker, was one of them. How did his visit go last weekend? Yeah, so we've talked about Specka before, and he's a kid that I've known. He, I mean, he's he was pretty much the first 2024 prospect in the entire country to get a Notre Dame offer. And he's liked Notre Dame even before that moment, right? And then he really liked Notre Dame after he took three trips to South Bend last year. Now he really, really likes Notre Dame after getting back <laughs> last last uh, week. Uh, first of all, getting a chance to meet defensive coordinator, uh, linebackers coach Al Golden was one of the real biggest keys. He told me that's the real reason why he wanted to visit. And he you know, he had already been blown away by Golden's resume and everything. But getting a chance to meet him, spend time with him, and see how he coaches, 
Uh, Speck has said that really did it for him. Um, so that's interesting there. He also liked some of the nuanced changes that he saw in the defense in the little short uh, snapshot he saw. Huh. Basically, linebackers being a little bit more versatile than what he saw in the past. Uh, but the another big, huge thing was just he told me the vibe of the program under Marcus Freeman. He told me, I really liked the vibe before, but I like this vibe even better. And, and this is a thing. You're, we, we, we hear it all the time from kids, parents, coaches, whoever. The vibe at Notre Dame is different. Like, I don't want to say it's tangible because obviously it's not, but it's pretty damn close. Like, people <laughs> feel it. And there's no lie. I mean, people that were at Notre Dame that are no longer at Notre Dame have told people the vibe is different. So, Interesting. Um, in a positive way. So, yeah, he, he really, really enjoyed it. All right. One other key target that was on campus last weekend is another Pennsylvania guy, an offensive lineman, Peter Jones. How about him? What uh, you hear some good stuff with that? Yeah, I like I like the way Notre Dame played this recruitment out. Um, they made t- contact with him, let him know we we don't rush things. Um, take your time with the with the offer. He really appreciated that. Then he got offered. Now he was back last week, and he was able to relax and just kind of not try to feel like he needed to impress anybody to try to get an offer because he already had one. Um, and he just really, really enjoyed it. I mean, he stand, I mean, we've talked about this when he was first hired, Sean, right? Everyone's like, Oh, he stand, is he gonna be able to recruit? Was he? And I said, he's going to recruit his guys and they're going to yeah. like him. And, and that's what happened with Peter Jones. He told me it was, it was terrific. He said he stand was terrific. Um, they, they just like his, his, uh, kind of down the earth, no nonsense, you know, way to talk to people. They love his coaching style. Obviously, his resume speaks for itself. And then Coach Freeman is just like that dynamic guy that, you know, you don't even need a dynamic recruiter uh, offensive lineman when you got Marcus Freeman um, and then the other guys they have in that office. So they take care of that. And, and Peter told me, he said, quote, unquote, he will definitely be back at Notre Dame, and he's really, really hoping to be it'll be soon. So you can't ask for much more than that coming out of a visit like that. All right. Sounds like some good stuff. To me, Christian McCollum from irisportsdaily.com. What else is going on right now, Christian? Yeah, so uh, we'll have ISD Intel, kind of our weekly peek behind the scenes um, of Notre Dame football and Notre Dame recruiting. That will be up Friday. Um, I'm sure Jamie and Greg have some hit and hustle. Uh, you know, John Bryce, as always, getting scoop on all the coaching stuff across the country. And the same with Matt Freeman and Mike Frank. Um, getting scooped from Notre Dame, all angles. And uh, Mike and myself should be having um, some new video content going up soon. Okay. Uh, probably next week, breaking down all the positions. He's not going to play guitar or anything, is he? <laughs> you should see when he, he – he, sometimes he messes up the group text and he's like, hey, what time do you guys want to rehearse? I said, I'm ready to rock whenever you're ready, Mike. Let's do it. Let's go, baby. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Great stuff as always, Christian. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right. Take care. Christian McCollum, irisportsdaily.com. Take a time out. Major League Baseball opening day today. Looks like some good news out of Wrigleyville. We'll talk about that and more coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Major League Baseball's opening days here. Right now, all customers can swing for the fences with a no-sweat, same-game parlay on FanDuel Sportsbook. Just pick any MLB game and combine at least three 
bets into one bet for even bigger payouts. Like Cubs Brewers. I like the Cubs to win, runs to go over, Ian Happ to homer. It is that simple. And if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel will refund you up to $10 in free bets. Not sure what to bet on? Just check out FanDuel's popular same-game parlays to see what most fans are betting and get in on the action. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Head over to your FanDuel account or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app now. Sign up with my promo code WSBT to bet your no-sweat same-game parlay today. That's promo code WSBT. Must be 21-plus and present in Indiana. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And speaking of the Cubs, in Wrigley, a 5-4 winner in the season opener over the Milwaukee Brewers. They were bundled up out there at Wrigley today. Few empty seats, but on a cold day like this, you can see why the Cubs used a three-run fifth inning to, uh, to get their scoring started today and then plated two more in the seventh to uh, after they were behind, I guess it was only one nothing. They were behind. They were behind one nothing. Then it was tied at three after the Brewers plated two in the top of the seventh inning. The Cubs got two more in the bottom of the seventh, and they end up winning five to four. The Cubs ended up using six pitchers today. Kyle Hendricks, the starter, had a filthy changeup working out there. 83 total pitches, 51 strikes, just pounded the strike zone, five and a thirds innings, gave up just one earned run on five hits, seven strikeouts, and three walks. Norris, Martin, Rowan, Wick, and let me see. I've got to get the full box score up here so I can see. Yeah, it ended up being... David Robertson, who got the save for the Cubs. Robertson, with the, his first save, pitched a uh, a scoreless ninth inning with one strikeout. And Martin got the win for Chicago in relief. Chris Martin got the win. A lot of new faces on that pitching staff this year for the Cubs. But uh, good, good start by Hendricks. And I'm trying to see, okay, looking at the scoring here, Wisdom had a sacrifice fly in the fifth. Nico Horner homered uh, in the fifth with Jason Hayward aboard. And then Ian Happ doubled to deep center field in the seventh inning, scoring both Contreras and Frazier. So that is how the Cubs got their runs today in the 5-4 to four win over Milwaukee Corbin Burns for the Brewers gave up three earned runs on four hits. Their ace, five innings, four strikeouts in the game as uh, Corbin Burns did not have his best day, but Cal Hendricks looked really good in the opener for the Cubs. A couple of other games going on right now. Cleveland and Kansas City tied at one in the bottom of the sixth inning. That is in Kansas City. And in St. Louis, going to the fifth inning, the Cardinals lead the Pirates 4 to nothing. Plenty of other games tonight. White Sox do not play today. They will open their season tomorrow. 
uh, in Detroit. So that should be nice and frigid tomorrow in Detroit as well. Boston and New York were supposed to open today because of whether they pushed their game back to tomorrow. They basically got uh, some of the rain that we were getting here yesterday. A lot of afternoon games coming up tomorrow. That is always fun. Red Sox, Yankees, White Sox, Tigers, Brewers, Cubs again in the afternoon at Wrigley tomorrow. A's and Phillies, uh, Rays and Orioles, Dodgers and Rockies, Mariners and Twins, and the Marlins and the Giants. Those are all afternoon games, then a bunch of uh, night games still tomorrow as well. So opening day today, opening weekend for Major League Baseball. Got to love it. Here's a public service announcement for you uh, baseball fans. If you want to watch all of your team's games this season, whether it's Cubs, White Sox, Tigers, whoever it happens to be, whatever other team, odds are you're going to be a little bit frustrated at one point or another this season because it's not enough that the season was delayed by the lockout. Major League Baseball also signed contracts with a couple of streaming services to broadcast a good chunk of Major League Baseball games this year on the streaming platforms. Of course, there'll be you know the typical... You know, network broadcasts on ESPN, there will also be, you know, the, the local broadcasts are still going to be there by and large. But Apple TV has the streaming rights to Friday night Major League Baseball games throughout the season. Peacock is doing Sunday morning games as well. Now, not every game is going to be there, but it's a, you know, that's basically a game of the week type situation. But if your team's game gets picked to be the Apple TV Friday night game of the week or the Peacock Sunday morning game of the week, guess what? Those platforms will be the only place that you can watch those specific games. So if you are a I'm going to watch every game person, you're going to have to have you're going to have to pay for Apple TV and or Peacock for their streaming services to be able to watch some games because there're going to be some games of the week every week on either Apple or Peacock. So if you want to watch it on Apple or Peacock, you're going to have to have the app and subscribe to those streaming services. Mad debt? Well, MLB just keeps making it harder to uh, to watch baseball. It's harder instead of easier. We'll take a timeout. SportsCenter update is on the way. Bobby Hensley is going to join me in the 6 o'clock hour for Rapid Fire and more on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. With Sean Styers on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Oh, hello, hello, Bobby Hensley in the house for the six o'clock hour of the show. Your day is going blank. Amazing! I was punctual. <laughs> I, I was on time, which is rare. I thought you would introduce me as the punctual Bobby Hensley. Today. Both counts are true. Both counts are true. You, you know. Just because you do something once, that's not a trend. So It's just really hard to vote, motivate myself to be on time to see you. <laughs> that's all it really is. Nice. Nice. We're off to a great start. Does yeah. this have anything to do with Monday? No. <laughs> no. Monday was... Mon- you, your team won. Monday was, was just a day, huh? <laughs> Monday was... Well, the, the day was. The evening was a little rough. Yeah. For me. Ah, uh, congratulations to Kansas. Well, and part your, of the evening. I, that, I mean, you talk about... Be- well, thank you. Thank you. First of all, and if you missed it Monday, Bobby, of course, a North Carolina fan. I'm a Kansas alum slash fan, you know, so we, we didn't place a bet or anything like that, but we were uh, both trying to kind of prognosticate. And I think it was the text that I was getting from you 
were like it felt to me because you kept oh they're we're gonna lose by ten and you know yeah. that that kind of thing. I felt like you were trying to like psych yourself out so that you you would lower your own expectations and then if they actually did win, you could feel better about it by the time things. Which were is all totally over. a fair way to read that text, but no, that wasn't it. I honestly thought by watching the game, even when they, at halftime, I'm going to say I was optimistic about Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I, I think was like everyone was. I think you. It's like well, they have to beat them by this many points in a half, and they've already you know played a half yeah but I just felt like Kansas was never really out of it I feel like Caroline had a nice run a great run but like the Kansas was like still okay they were still gonna come back that's not how I felt like did you listen to Charles Barkley at halftime I did not I mean he nailed it his whole thing was why is Kansas trying to pound it inside so much to David McCormick and and not just David McCormick but other guys in there as well because he said, look, this is not Villanova where you've got a bunch of 6'2", 6'3", guys in there that David McCormick can take advantage of. It was There was a decided size advantage, and Bill Self, to his credit, adjusted in the second half. But my question is, why didn't he adjust with like six or seven minutes to go in the first half? Well, <laughs> because they just kept trying to execute the same game plan, and none of it was working. I think part of that was at that point, six, seven minutes, Carolina wasn't on their big run yet. It was still a close game, so maybe he saw that and knew he could make that adjustment at halftime and not give Carolina the opportunity to To adjust to that. So I think that might be part of it. Which makes sense, but the other thing that you're dancing with is being down down by it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like he said to the guys at halftime, like Bill Self said to the Kansas players at halftime, would you rather be down... 15 with 20 minutes to go or down nine with two minutes to go because in the 2008 national championship game against Memphis they were down by nine with really about two and a half you know something like that minutes sure to go and they obviously came back and won and they were like I'll take the 15 with 20 minutes left a lot of time they played like it I just that was just that was a fun second half I realized to you when your team is it's stressful the lead is evaporating and all that but then you know, even at that point, after the lead did get away, it was obviously, what, plus three or four in either direction right. you know, the, for the rest of the second half. So, but, but part of it for me is, again, being a fan, fanatic, whatever, I saw the way that Carolina blew the game against Baylor. They were up yeah. 25 with less time to go. I know. And I, I said it on the show on Monday, it's about depth to me, and Carolina didn't have it. And I think that's... And that was another thing Barkley was talking, you know, that just, yeah. And that's, that's why the pace... Yeah, taking advantage of the lack of of depth, taking advantage of a guy like Baycott who's got a gimpy and that's ankle. Thing, it wasn't even foul trouble, which was another worry. It was more of that he had a gimpy ankle. Another guy rolled his ankle. You have a freshman who's puking on the court because he's so exhausted he can't. Right. And it's just I just saw so many ways that this game isn't going to end well for Carolina. And it's not to take away that obviously they had a great season and they made the championship game, which was not expected. But what was great about it to me is that Carolina really, like, I felt like all the fandom, all the Twitter, they wanted to beat Kansas. They won the championship. I barely saw anything about, well, at least they beat Duke, which is wonderful. Interesting. I was going to ask you, and I I, I should have slipped this into the rapid fire questions, and I was thinking about it earlier because it's like usually when I think of something, I'll jot it down or whatever, and I forgot to write this down. Does... Does kind of the elation of you know them being an eight seed, the way this season started, beating Duke in the Final Four, do those things kind of 
Soften the blow. You, like, yeah, kind of outweigh the fact, well, we blew a 50, you know, a 16-point <laughs> lead and lost the national championship game. Does Do you have a better feeling just because of what they were able to accomplish, especially when we consider, what was it, 12-6, and 12-8 and eight at one point? And losing to Pittsburgh in yeah. January? Yeah. I think, no. I think that, <laughs> no, not the Duke part, but the rest of it, yes. Okay. Because okay. I don't even see, like, beating Duke, honestly. And, like, it's a nice feather in the cap, I suppose, to just beat them anyway. But that could have been any part of any season it was nice to win and if they had lost maybe it would have hurt a little extra yeah but to just beat them didn't matter the rest of that does being an eight seed being on the bubble two weeks before the tournament making the championship game playing great in the championship game again literally till you're puking on the court like that I think that this season was way over expectations for a first year head coach as well to get that far in the tournament and now what you're gonna what I hope that grows from this is that Hubert Davis helped the team get better during the season, which is, you know, when they were doing really bad, it's like, oh boy, was this the right hire? And then he ends up getting the title game. And now, if I'm not mistaken, they really don't have a whole lot of those guys coming back next year, right? Correct. Yeah. How many and of these see, teams that's the do? Same. And I was going to say, that's the same with Kansas. You know, they're going to oh, lose yeah. Abaji, they're going to lose McCormick, they're going to lose Lightfoot, maybe... You know, uh, you know Wilson to the draft. You know that I don't. I I think he thinks he's one of those thinks he's better. G League guy. Is. Yeah, yeah. He, he should be looking at Abaji and and going, oh, I can be a first round pick in a, in a year or two if I stay stay right. at this. You know, like some other guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean they're going to lose a lot too. I'm and I'm kind of surprised to see them already in these way too early preseason rankings being in the top ten. It's like uh, this is this is going to be a process, and and that's. That's again why, like from from my perspective, having waited fourteen years, see, like at least you've got a couple championships yep. in the mm-hmm. you know in these last fourteen years. This is just this is the third one I've experienced in my lifetime. The first one <laughs> was what thirty years ago, thirty five years, thirty four years ago, and the other was fourteen years ago, and then earlier this week. So to me, knowing what's going to be, lo- and that's that's been kind of the Kansas thing. Even when Roy Williams was there, it's missing out on these golden opportunities. You get as far as you get, and then half the roster turns over, and you're building up for it for the next two to three years for that next opportunity. So I'm really, really glad. And, and you know, and and like if I also balance that with being a Dallas Cowboy fan, oh continually boy. let down by Jerry Jones and and all of his you know, yuckers who uh, stand in the head coaching box. It's like, <laughs> I feel even better about yeah. this. So. No, and they deserve They were a great team. I think what you're seeing, too, is a lot of these college teams, they start to build for a run, like maybe in two years or every other year. Yeah. They're not necessarily every year trying to be a perennial team. Now, a team like Kansas, the Blue Bloods, they get the recruits. So even the freshmen coming in, they're pretty good. Yeah. So you're not. It's not like you're losing a guy and having a walk on replace him. I mean. So oh, exactly. So but that's why the top ten, top fifteen is yeah. fair. But I think that you, you know this was a year that Kansas was geared towards running all the way with, and they they succeeded. Yep, for sure. I tell you what. Let's go ahead and take a timeout. When we come back, I've got some Brady Quinn comments. He had some interesting things to say about this Notre Dame Tennessee State game that we've been talking about this week i don't know if you've heard these comments yet but you're gonna want to hear them if that's you right so i've got them coming up for you next budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on sports radio 960 a.m wsbt who wants to have some fun rapid fire starts now on sports radio 960 a.m 
WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Bobby Hensley, it's Rapid Fire on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Okay, so I promised some Brady Quinn. Yeah, you did a Greenberg tease. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Now, probably not as deep as Greenberg, but still. Yeah. Okay, so Notre Dame scheduling Tennessee State in 2023. It's been fairly polarizing this week, and I'll, we'll, we'll get your take on it here in a minute. Either you love it or you hate it seems to be the consensus, though. And uh, Brady Quinn, one of the, uh, you know, if not the, you know, most visible Notre Dame alums, especially in the media, with Golick kind of not having that ESPN profile mm-hmm. that he used to have, right? I mean, I can't really think of any other more high-profile guys than Brady Quinn right now, can you? No, and he's, um, I mean, he was a pro as well, so he's been through a lot of, you know, he's been yeah multiple levels, and he's always waving that Notre Dame flag and very prominently proud of Notre Dame. So he co-hosts a show, uh, Two Joes and a Cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington on uh, Fox Sports Radio. And he sounded off about this Notre Dame-Tennessee State thing and what he thinks. So strap in. (laughs) It's a little bit long, but he's got a lot of thoughts on it. So I want you to hear it, and then we'll talk about it afterwards, okay? Mm -hmm. Here we go. You know, some people might think I would tread lightly about this topic because it's my alma mater. But I'm just going to be real. I absolutely hate this. <laughs> and look, there's probably some some woke idiots out there who, oh, it's, but it's an HBCU. It has nothing to do with that. <laughs> this is the first time in the history of the Notre Dame football program they've played a non-FBS opponent. That's what I'm ticked off about. I hate this. If you're going to remain independent, which I don't even know if you can say that anymore since they have a soft affiliation with the ACC – And unfortunately, since they've made that agreement outside of Clemson, you're not really circling many teams consistently on that calendar saying, well, here's a tough matchup. I mean, last year you could have said Wake Forest. I don't know that we're going to be saying that, you know, for years to come. Maybe. Maybe Dave Colossus got him turned around. North Carolina was great two years ago. Not not as good last year. Even Clemson sucked last year. So they've already, at least from when I was a recruit, when I was a player there, watered down this schedule – and now, and I believe this is the case, Notre Dame next to, I think it was UCLA, was the, were the only two teams to have never played a non-FBS opponent. And so this will be now one less thing that we can tout, one other way of watering down the schedule. And when we're an independent, where you don't have that 13th data point of a conference championship game, you need as tough of a strength of schedule as you can get. And I don't think that scheduling a non-FBS opponent as your season opener and then coupling it and saying, well, we're just doing what the SEC does because, you know, they'll schedule a big dog, one, one tough non-conference opponent, and then they've got layups. Well, it, that, that's not how it works. They also have a conference championship game. Alabama can do that. Georgia can do that. <laughs> they can get away with it. LSU can do that. They can get away with it. You can't sit there and schedule this and go, well, it's, it, it's historic for this. I get all that. I don't care about that. This, this isn't about, you know, equity and all that stuff or trying to say, hey, we're helping out at HBCU school. It's not about that. It's about trying to win a national championship. It's about com- competition and looking at the rest of the landscape. What made Notre Dame unique in being independent was the fact that when you were a recruit, 
you would sit there and go, dude, I'm going to be on national television every week because we're playing such a, like, a hard schedule. You know, I remember playing the Big Ten schools. I remember playing Pac-12, ACC, SEC opponents. And people always, well, you guys play Navy every year. Yeah, okay, idiot. Here's why Notre Dame <laughs> plays Navy every year. Back during WW2, they used Notre Dame's facilities, which almost went under, as training facilities, and it helped keep Notre Dame alive, the university at that point, financially. And so they've had that agreement ever since. And by the way, go play any triple option school mixed in with your schedule. See, see how much you like doing that during the course of the year. That gives head coaches headaches every single time. So I, I just I, I hate this move. And, and really, it's only good for Tennessee State. Like, they're the only winners in all of this. What are they making off this? I, probably a million. Who knows? Or, or maybe half a million. But, but, but again, like, they get paid off of it. And it's like, let's just say, for example, let's just say, for example, it's the opening game of a season. There's a gigantic talent gap. What's the upside for Notre Dame? If you don't beat them by 50, it looks like all of a sudden, like, you, maybe they're not that good. You're going to drop in rankings. We know how rankings. Yeah. yeah, we know how that can impact. I, I remember my senior year, we went on the road to play Georgia Tech back when they had Calvin Johnson and a few of the really good players on defense. Philip Wheeler was a good linebacker there. I remember, oh, yeah, and, the, and that idiot, or not idiot, but the guy who's now uh, in WWE, whatever his name is, Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah, he's, he's the world champ, man, double champ, too. You put some well, respect I, I don't, on his I name. don't know. I, I wasn't watching WrestleMania. Okay. The, the point is, is we went down on the road, got a close win, you know, tough environment, good football team. We dropped in the rankings. I was like, all right. And, and lo and behold, they, you know, Georgia Tech ends up playing in the ACC championship game that year, and they end up being pretty good. I, I just, I think this is this is a no-win scenario for Notre Dame, no matter what way you go about it. It does not help them. It does not help elevate their program. You're not winning a recruit for this. You're not winning in the eyes of the college football playoff committee or the AP poll or whatever else you want to talk about in recruiting. You know, you're not going to – one, I mean, you're not even competing against Tennessee State for, for a recruit. And then even more so than that, it's just you don't win over a guy saying, well, yeah, you get to come out and play a layup like this to open a season. It's just a dramatic departure from what it used to be, and it, it crushes me to see it because I feel like, you know, Notre Dame in this instance, when it's always kind of been something of its own, is now, you know, really try, trying to almost, you know, blend in with everyone else. And that hasn't been their M.O. Okay, Bobby. So I told you it was going to yeah. be long, but there's a lot there. Like I a lot told to you unpack as yeah. well. Now, one correction to what he's saying. This, it's The Tennessee State game is not the season opener. Right. They, they open in Dublin against Navy in August, and then the next week they are home. Now, I mean, now that's a thing, too, because well, like that's, the, the last time they went to Dublin, they took a week in between. In between. And so, you know, the main thing, the main point, that Brady Quinn is talking about, I, I guess the two main points. He has points. a lot of points, yeah. One is um, there's really no benefit for Notre Dame in this. All the benefit goes to Tennessee State and the component of are you competing for national championship? Well, you just heard everything that he had to say. So what do you think? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind immediately is he's looking at it as an athlete perspective and a pure, will this help them win a championship? And the answer is clearly no. But then how about the fact they're flying back from Ireland to start the season? They've been in Ireland for how long? A week, maybe? Maybe close to it? Probably, so, to so, get acclimated. And that's yeah. why they took a week, yeah, right. to, to what you're talking about now, coming back 
you got to get reacclimated again. Right. Your time zones, flying, jet lag. You know, you got to practice, and you know, hopefully they win the Navy game. But then right. also they're like, now but, okay, you have a not a data point, but you have a rebound game that was against an FCS team. Uh, okay, so part. But, th- of, but that's his point. It, you know, because I, I see where you're going. You're saying, okay, now you've got a short week. You've got to come back. You got to re- get reacclimated. Now you're playing Tennessee State, an FCS school. Mm-hmm. But to what to his point, if you play bad in that game, nobody cares that you were just in Dublin. Nobody last, sees that. last week. Yeah. Well, but then my other point is like, how much money are they going to have from Peacock Network to air that exclusively on Peacock? And are Notre Dame fans going to pay for the Peacock Network? Do you to think watch that's that where it ends up? Do you think it'll be on NBC or do you think it'll oh, it be will on not Peacock? Be, it will not be on NBC. There's no way. And by then, who knows where the structure of of sports television is. But I almost think Peacock is almost what NBC Sports was a couple of years ago, looking for a game that they can put on their network, like Toledo last year. And that's my other point. Well, and that's there, both I, of them. Both both of them are home openers because last year mm-hmm. they opened at Tallahassee. Next week, home opener against Toledo, Peacock, and this is going to be the same thing. Home opener. So you think it's going to end up on Peacock? I absolutely do. Even, even though it was an atrocious experience for everyone trying to watch, and we never even got streaming numbers out of it because. To me, the fact that we never got streaming numbers means they were so embarrassed by whatever those numbers ended up being that they didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, I actually do think, because I think we're still going to be pushing more and more to apps and stuff. So I think that, especially in 2023, we're not talking about in six months, we're talking about a year and six months. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with Peacock. I think the comparison to the SEC is totally off. Because I don't think... But I mean, and then, like, what's the... Okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. The comparison to the SEC. Because that's why I mean. He kind of went a lot of different directions on this right. diatribe there, which is fine. I think that the SEC comparison is unfair because, one, they do have a conference championship game. Two, the week that they usually have the SEC bye week, they call it, is usually before the last week where they have rivalry games. So I think that the SEC has played a tougher group all season, whereas Notre Dame's playing, I kind of what he was getting into, the ACC schedule, you know, is – even if Clemson isn't as good as they were. Now, where is that perennial power that's a marquee matchup for Notre Dame to play every year? Right. Cause, and that's when when they were truly an independent. That's when they would schedule a Michigan, a Michigan State, if they were good. You could get those matchups. Well, and that's what Brady Quinn right. is talking about. That part here, I, though, the fact that the, the schedule is already watered down mm-hmm. because of lack of any real competitiveness throughout the ACC, but then you've also got... Central Michigan on you know that's the game after that right Central that's, Michigan that's, you've got you know all these there are a lot of duds on that and we'll talk about that sure. in a minute but there are a lot of duds on that schedule and that's the thing is like what's the difference between scheduling a Tennessee State versus a Mac school or a who knows out West school? because it's FCS versus know, FBS no, you can't count that right to, you know like no. when you're talking about your resume and like what he is saying with the SEC the, the comparison he's making to the SEC is for example. Alabama plays Mercer, another FCS team. Well, Alabama can do that, one, because they're in a strong conference. Two, assuming they're going, you know, they're they're going to be competing for the college football playoff, which they are every year. They're going to get to play in the SEC championship game, so that offsets the Mercer game. Notre Dame has to schedule up with teams like Ohio State, Wisconsin, putting these other bigger name schools on the schedule wherever they can you're trying to go out and and find some stronger opponents they have to do that so that they offset the fact 
that they don't play in a conference championship game. So you're already offsetting that, and now you're adding an FCS school, which basically just takes you two, two more steps in the wrong direction, you know, backwards instead of forwards. It's so funny you say that because I was just going to say that they already have two things to overcome, and one is not being in a conference, not having that conference championship game. Yeah. The second thing they have to overcome, whether you like it or not, is their history in the playoff. And I'm not saying that they deserve it, but the committee has shown that they don't respect Notre Dame necessarily with what they when they put them in how poorly they performed. So you have to already overcome that. Plus not having a conference championship game. Plus not being in a conference. Well, my point was is why why schedule the FCS or the the, the division down school when you could just add you know uh, I don't know San Diego State or something like that. Right. A, a lower program that you still get the win. It still matters. It's still a data point. Well, and, and again, it's like, right. you know, 15 years ago, they had played like one Mac school ever. You remember that year Western Michigan yep. came here and that was like the first time and everybody was like, eh. But, okay, it happened. But now look at where we are. We're getting a – we're rotate, they're rotating through the Mac, so we're getting a Mac school coming in here every year as it is because, again, Central Michigan's going to be on this and it got Marshall coming up right. this season. So it's like – the schedule is getting the home schedule is getting less and less attractive all the time and so now on top of that not only you're adding an FCS school you know on top of the fact that it, that, that it's already that attendance has been declining all these different things and it, and it, the i think the main point Brady Quinn is saying and that would be my point does it help you towards your goal of competing for a national championship the answer is no Right, and that's why I'm saying that's the athletic side of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else is in play in terms of Peacock or in terms of ratings from NBC or how they market stuff. And that that has to be considered on some level because that's why they're doing this. Yeah. You can't have your whole program history never play a team this low and then decide to throw them in. It just seems... Well, and at the press conference yesterday, they never. it was never really addressed. Like, Not that they were going to talk down. You know, they were obviously hyping Tennessee State as much as possible about right. all these right. championships and stuff and that they won. but they but they college, never yeah. they never addressed the real you know the, the the elephant in the room is you're going to play in FCS school for the first time why did whatever perceived benefits you have or the benefits that you're trying to tell us about why do those outweigh the fact that you're Notre Dame you're an independent you're doing all these things why does that outweigh the fact that now for the first time ever you're going to play in FCS school they never addressed that it's just it's all politics right cuz they polished it off by saying like oh it's a traditionally black school so that makes you feel good about it that's, you know that's good doing, cover right. that's good that's cover exactly is what, what that i'm saying is. it's a politician spin yeah. and then coming back from Ireland it's very transparent what they're doing they're trying to pick the right school to be that one to be the first one yeah. and then to go Boat race them probably on game day. Right. But now is that going to – you had to break the ice. Now is this moving forward going to be less max schools in a bye week? You know, not a bye, but a, a, a team from the lower division every week or every year now? Let's hear real quick Brady Quinn a little bit more because we were talking about the Peacock, the TV side. Here's some Brady Quinn talking about the uh, the the impact on the NBC contract, was which is basically just a couple years from coming up for renewal. You know, you've got a rights deal that's coming up, too, for um, for Notre Dame's home games, right? The NBC, NBC deal is coming up in 2024, somewhere around that ballpark. All right, well, if you want to get those home games up to par, up to value with what other teams are getting, being a part of a conference, you got to start scheduling tougher, bigger brands. 
You can't sit there and say, well, we're going to play Tennessee State. What's any network, whether it's NBC or anyone else, what are they sitting there and saying? They're, they're going, okay, well, we're going to pay for that. That's not going to rate as high. Like, yeah, you'll get a Notre Dame audience, but no offense to Tennessee State. They're not bringing in a huge audience. Not, you tell me this. What do you think that Notre Dame-Ohio State game, what number is that going to do? Oh, God. It's a the, pretty big number. The, the it's going to be a huge number. Huge. It, it might be the second, third most watched game this entire college football season. It's because you've got the Ohio State brand and the Notre Dame brand clashing together. And there will be people who are just interested in general. Like, one of the biggest markets to watch Ohio State games, Birmingham, Alabama. Because Alabama wants to see what's happening at Ohio State. <laughs> well, well, and, and no different, by the way, no different, by the way, than what were some of the biggest numbers for uh, the Big Ten Championship game this, this past year? Columbus, Ohio. Because, you know, as much as they hate it, they don't want to watch Michigan go win a Big Ten championship, they're still going to watch. And there's still some Michigan fans in that proximity. So you, you get that sort of thing. You're not going to get that with Tennessee State. And uh, so th- that's, that's the other issue is even from a business standpoint, this doesn't help you say, hey, w- you know, we're going to talk to a network about buying our home games or bidding our home games, and they're paying X amount per, per game. They're going to say, well, yeah, yeah, you've got Ohio State, you've got a few other really good home games, but what do we do with the Tennessee State games? What do we do with the, the, the MAC games that you've put on your schedule? That's not worth this much. So I, I think it even hurts them from a financial standpoint. It's going to be really interesting because the current NBC contract with Notre Dame runs through the 2025 season, which means they're going to have something renegotiated or, you know, a something negotiated by then, you would right. think. So uh, I, I don't do you but agree or disagree with what he's saying there, Bobby? I can agree. I can follow everything he said. and I agree with it. I think the NBC contract might be a little bit in question anyway the way they were looking at buying the big 12 or big 10 this past year there was some uh, articles about NBC wanting to add big 10 to their portfolio which would mean buying the big 10 network pretty much and no 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 they don't want to do that they're just negotiating for just games. just like with with Notre Dame yeah they're just but they could have double headers negotiating then. for rights yeah and so, I, I think I think in in NBC's and this is just based on stuff I've read and listened to on podcasts and stuff as well i think in nbc's dream world you know like they've got uh, a big 10 game on at noon and then notre dame is kicking off at 3 30 or 4 o'clock or a you know a primetime game or you know whatever you know that that kind of thing where where they've got a full day of college football because they've got the big 10 game, and notre dame game of the week or whatever right but there's still a matter of how much you're able to garner from that because two big 10 teams I think there's got to be more value than that than Notre Dame versus Tennessee State or right. Marshall or UNLV. That's why I say like the Notre Dame, they might be looking at the early season matchup as Notre Dame's the noon game, and then they, at three thirty they could have Ohio State playing somebody out of conference that would be a good game early in the season like that. Yeah, but the yeah, I don't see how you can market Tennessee State unless you're making an app exclusive, or maybe you have to pay five bucks to or two dot whatever number to watch that one game. It's it's still tough to market that because who. What Notre Dame fan really wants to watch, you know, against Tennessee State? Because they're, they're not going to watch the whole game. By halftime, it should be 30 points. And look, I'll say it again. They didn't. They obviously didn't want to watch Toledo. Because that was a good game. But <laughs> well, well, yeah, especially if you're a Toledo fan. It wasn't a good game if you're a Notre Dame fan. Because, sure. because going back to one of Quinn's original points, if you don't blow the doors off Tennessee State, just like you didn't blow the doors off Toledo. It hurts you. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just, you know... And, to play all these weak schools, that's already new to Notre Dame. I wonder if they have to be moving in a direction where they eventually hard join a conference. No, I, 
I mean, that's obviously what they don't want to do. But what happens with this NBC contract, that'll that will be a factor. I'm not going to say it's going to be the factor. It will be a factor sure. in in that kind of thing though, you know? So um real quick, speaking of NBC and and the schedules. Here are the next two seasons of of home games for Notre Dame. This coming up season, Marshall, Cal, Stanford, UNLV, Clemson, Boston College. 2023, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Wake Forest, Pittsburgh. Rate each of those on a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> two minutes. In terms of like winning, I would say the first year is a 10 out of 10. I don't, the Clemson. <laughs> I'm talking about attractiveness. Yeah, I'm talking would, about watchability, fan interest, TV, you know, uh, all those things that we've been talking about. Yeah, uh, from from winability, yeah, yeah there's, there's no doubt that, the first, that, that this upcoming season is better. I'll just I say. say Right. I, I, you know, I would rate this season uh, a, a a two in terms of attractiveness. I was going to say a three. Because uh, you do have Clemson on there. We expect Clemson to be better. And at uh, least Stanford and Boston College are pro- and Cal, they're programs. Yeah. So you're not playing Tennessee State, Central Michigan. Next season, I would give a four, maybe a five, because you've got Ohio State and USC, and part of that obviously depends on what USC is. Stanford has been trending downward there on this year's home schedule. And I, you know, again, from a TV and a and a fan standpoint, that has lost a lot of luster in the last five or six years. Well, that's what I was going to say earlier. It's like USC isn't even what it used to be. They were they had their run with Pete Carroll, and like, but before, they got a new coach now. So, but and, before that, USC had been up and down, and they've just been down for so long. That's yeah. not even the rival. I would put this year's at a two or a three, and then next year's at maybe a three and a half, just a little bit better. But I still think. Yeah, there's nothing like if I'm a season ticket holder, I don't want to see any of those games for Ohio State. And that's got to be a USC. big concern, you know, because, again, like if you're scheduling Tennessee State, that's not going to get Notre Dame fans excited. So are you hoping that that you're going to fill the stadium with Tennessee State fans? You know, and like I've got a friend in Nashville I was texting with yesterday, and this is barely a blip down there. Tennessee State is, you know. That's Basically, their home. Nashville yeah. suburb, and this this is barely a blip in the home market. This is going on, so I just I don't know. I don't I don't see <laughs> even even hoping to to fill it with Tennessee State fans. It's almost you know? like a soft open for the whole season. It's like a yeah. run through because like they did that with Rutgers. I think it was when they opened up the new stadium. They didn't. They wanted an opponent so they could get a win the first game, <laughs> and it, it just feels like that's what they keep going for. Yeah. But. When you talk about the overall picture, it's not helping you win championships. I mean, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, out of the gate in 2023, after Navy as well. Three games, Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, then Ohio State. But uh, on the, uh, the, you know, the, well, the supermodel to dud, <laughs> that is end, much more dud. The end of this ends up with Notre Dame being ranked in the top five and Ohio State yeah. being the top five. And then you get a marquee home game, and that's probably what they're feeding up for. All right, we've got to take a break. Then we'll come back to finish up Rapid Fire and Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. <laughs> Rapid Fire and Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. It's a good bed behind you, isn't it? It is. You know, a nice little music and Journey. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were shushing me there. No, I was just jamming out. I'd rather hear Journey than your voice. (laughs) I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. All right, well, it's baseball season opener day. Let's, uh, Let's get to a few baseball questions. 
let's just start with this though first. Which sports season opening day gets you most fired up? For me personally, I, I'm thinking about it. It's got to be baseball. It's one of the only ones where it's like a holiday because it's always midweek. It's something to look forward to. And, and on top of baseball, it's um, showing it's almost summer. Like you're in spring. So I think even that, when it looks like this outside, well, yeah, <laughs> the Masters are on. You have opening day. What a great couple of days of sports if you really off beaten path sports kind of. I mean, the NFL is on a Sunday, and I feel like we just expect it, and it's there. Whereas baseball, there's just so much more to it than just the game. I think it's more the summer coming, and it's Americana. I agree, because you know, just like today, you've got the Cubs on in the afternoon. Now you're a White Sox fan, so that doesn't mean as much. But still, there's a baseball yep. game in the on in the afternoon. I can put it on while I'm working, you know, in the background and all that kind of stuff and yeah then you got more games going on as, as kind of the day goes on and, and getting into the weekend there'll be a lot of afternoon baseball tomorrow you're right it's like those those first couple of days I mean and just look at the way attendance usually works for baseball like yeah the opener all you know almost always sold out the next day well not as much and then but but then by the as you said by the time summer comes you get fired up you know football basketball they're just so different football I, there's definitely more buildup for it just because it's football. You yeah. Know? But I, I think it, as far as the actual sport, yeah, I think you're right with baseball. Well, and plus, like football, it starts on a Thursday, but then that first Sunday, it just depends. And with baseball, one of my really good friends, they called it a soundtrack of summer just to have it on in the background. That's true. And, you know, you listen to it. And we used to, my buddies and I, we used to always go to the second home game of the year because the home game opener was so expensive and so hard to find tickets yeah the second one just go to the second game what difference does it make it doesn't and (laughs) we would pay five bucks for tickets at lower level yep um the average age of major league baseball fans keeps getting older as the sport continues to decline in national popularity so my question to you bobby big baseball fan what would help Major League Baseball solve this problem? Do you have any ideas? Do you have any solutions for them? The only thing I can suggest that it would be easy is to market their stars more. Because in the NBA, you might not be a Lakers fan, but you know LeBron James. You know the big names. Like in baseball, if you had to, if you put five baseball players' pictures out, how many people could actually name the stars? Like Mike Trout or Bryce Harper. I mean, and those have had a little bit of star power, but the, by and large, the game has so many athletic people that are young, that are fun, and they don't market them. So it's that, and then making the game more offensive-based, which sucks because I, I like pitching matchups. But if you just get more runs, more home runs, more things to watch, like look at 98 when McGuire and Sosa, like how many fans came to baseball during mm-hmm. that. So those are the two things I would think would help. I think those are good. I think baseball thinks that it is addressing it by all these streaming packages that they have agreed to, you know, with games being on streaming platforms. But I think that anyone who's watching baseball right now, you're not going to draw in any casual fans just because you put it on Peacock or Apple TV or Fox Sports has games. TBS has a game. It's weird. Exactly. My solution would be this. If you want to get the average age of if you want younger fans that's essentially what we're talking about you want i mean the things you're talking about more action in the game speed up the pace all those i think those make sense here's what i would do eight and under ten and under somewhere in that range that age group free Free. tickets yeah let them in free with with a paying adult let them in free 
in that, you know, for, for those kids, you have a specific section or whatever if you don't want your prime seats, eight and under, ten and under, whatever. And then from 10 to, like, 18 while they're still in high $5 school. $5 ticket. Half price, but yeah, yeah, whatever. Give them discounted tickets. Give them some kind of incentive to actually go to the game. Give the parents, you know, an incentive to take their kids to the game because it's like, okay, well, I can pay for my ticket, but little Johnny's going to get in for free because he's eight years old or six years old or whatever it happens to be. Get them hooked on it because that's essentially, you know, like where my son got hooked was, you know, one, he went to games, and then two, he was, you know, playing Little League and through high school and all that kind of stuff. So he loves baseball, but he's – He's different. Everyone else in that age group, it's it's a lot different right now. And it's like you kind of said, I saw something floating around on Facebook that said every child should be able to go to a game for free. And it showed a kid like in the front row, like yeah. how much fun they were having, like a young, young child. And then you could do this too. If it's free, like if you play Little League, take your Little League team to a ball game. Yeah. You know, you can get them in or something like it. it but then the action on the ball field still has to be, because if you go and you're bored, then that's not going to be helpful. So it goes hand in hand. But at least you're getting people into the ball game with a chance to hook them in. But it's also, you know, like while communities like this, while we're why we're fortunate to have like the South Bend Cubs in town because you don't have to go over to Chicago. All the things that we're talking about, the prices are a little bit cheaper to begin with. There are a lot of activities outside of just you know. So that's like get them get them over there, especially obviously once the weather gets yeah. good. But get them over there and 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 take advantage of that kind of stuff i think those kind of things can go a long way i just think too i'm gonna go back to it marketing a star like if you have a but player you're right yeah that you market like i don't know who the cubs would market i'm just throwing a name out there like wilson Contreras, the catcher or something mm-hmm. and you go and you like they push him everywhere he's everywhere and then like a kid sees him play in person like that's my favorite player then they want to See, go watch him that's why i think the cubs were so short-sighted with javi baez because right. You know, as a White Sox fan, you might not like Javi Baez, and some people might. Oh, not he's talented. Like his, you know, his flair. Kids love that. Kids love the flair. That's mm-hmm. the, Javi Baez should should have been a Chicago Cub for at least the next five years for marketability alone. Plus the fact that you know he does things on the field. I was say they don't have a replacement for him. So that's just such a huge whiff by being cheap with him specifically. If there was any player that I would have prioritized. It would have been him, but right. they didn't. I almost wonder if they had marketed him and Rizzo and Bryant. They could have had. I know. And they didn't market any of them. I know. And that's how Major League Baseball kind of runs. It's more team-based brand instead of individuals. Yep. And that's where I think needs to change. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, it's a shame, and it's, it's just a head-scratcher. But, I mean, we saw through these last round of labor negotiations what the real priorities are. Sure. And well, the, the fan – now, I guess – You've got to give them a little bit of credit because they did come back and sort of readjust and start addressing some on-field type stuff. But that was basically after all the blowback. I would say it's too late almost. Yeah. And then the other thing is, like when I was a child, I looked at trading cards and stuff like that, and that yeah. was fun. And now that those don't exist. You don't need the bubble gum anymore. No. Bobby, good stuff as always. I will talk to you next Monday. Cannot wait. All right, me too. <laughs> Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser Midland Engineering Company. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Four Winds Casinos, Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, and Wings Etc. Grill and Pub. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT South Bend.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 